When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis will be honored tonight at the annual Grammys on the Hill event at the Hamilton in Washington, D.C. I spoke to the songwriting and producing duo about their prolific career from Rhythm Nation to On Bended Knee and everything in between. Jimmy Jam, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in Washington, D.C. Thank you, Jason. And I think we're having your partner in crime here, the dynamic duo, Terry Lewis, should be joining us here momentarily. If Terry, can you hear us? I can hear you. Perfect timing. We've just finished introducing Jimmy Jim. Uh, We're talking because you guys are getting honored at the Grammys on the Hill event. It's an annual thing every year. Big deal. They do it um, down in in, uh, the Hamilton Live uh, right near Capitol Hill. Um, how I guess let's start there. How big of an honor is it? Is it that of all the people then they, they chose you, you guys, that's got to be a big deal. Yeah, we, we thought it was probably a mistake. And uh, we didn't know, uh, you know, what they were thinking, but uh, we're honored. <laughs> <laughs> we're honored by it. And, and uh, I've, you know, I've been a part of Grammy on the Hill for quite a few years. And uh, know the great work that goes on. So um, and know the great honorees that have been there in the past so it's it's a great honor to be a part of it yeah i'm trying to remember who all has been honored i think they did zach brown band alicia keys keith urban it's a good mix of folks and it's always always a great night um so in a i mean are you guys going to be performing at all or is it mostly sitting back and let other people give tributes or what's the plan well i i would say um you know, I think I think the sports term is a game time decision. So I think we probably <laughs> I think it'll be a game time decision and, and we'll just see the vibe of the night and, and see if we want to be a part of it. Well, I know we'll want to be a part of it either way, but um, we'll see. We'll see. Either way, everyone's going to get to see you get up and, you know, accept the award at the podium, etc. But yet you got to we'll, we'll have to wait and see if you're <laughs> if you're going to perform um, either way. You know, there's usually a bunch of um, celebrity performers, fellow your fellow musicians that come and perform. Do we do we know who else is going to be there yet? Uh, it is literally a work in progress as we're doing it. But luckily, we have a whole lot of musical friends over our you know, 40 years here now of, uh, you know, producing records and writing songs and that. So there's a nice, uh, nice group of people to choose from. And uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a a beautiful evening, I will say that. Yeah. And in in addition to the music every year, the whole reason, you know, the, the Recording Academy, the Grammys on the Hill, the reason they do this and the reason it's called Grammys on the Hill is there's a big, um, you know, lobbying Washington component for, you know, where musicians come, they all descend upon Washington and, and try to, you know, um, you know, argue for music rights. Um, do you know, uh, like what what specifically are is, is sort of the latest latest push? Um, is, it, is it royalties or, or what's like the latest, you know, craze of what, of what you guys think needs to be done well i think as always um 
it's 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 about the music community and uh i think the typical thing that you always think about is the you know the stars that you as you mentioned the alicia keys and, and the people who are the stars but there's a whole infrastructure uh that happens in music of of producers and engineers and songwriters and people that are behind the scenes that get affected adversely um in the economic uh, system of music so royalties are important streaming uh, royalties are particularly important as we move to that uh, platform um, as a as a delivery system for music. So I think it's really important that we make sure we look at the whole infrastructure. You know, we know over COVID, um, there's been the the live music businesses has really suffered. But it's not only the people that you see on the marquee, but it's all of the technicians and sound people and lighting people and all the people that you know make their their livelihood. So for us, it's just kind of trying to bring a light to all of those uh, people who are kind of the unsung heroes that make it possible for us to do uh, what we do. So I think that would be the emphasis. Awesome. Yeah, I know that every year there's um, politicians and dignitaries there. And I believe this year they're also, in addition to you two, um, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, they're also going to be honoring Congressman Ted Deutsch, a Democrat from Florida, and then um, Congressman Michael McCall, Republican from Texas, a little bipartisan uh, legislation they they co-sponsored, the American Music Fairness Act. So um, it's kind of cool to see people coming across the aisle to to support something we all love, which which is music. I mean, do you agree? Do you think music sort of brings everyone together, right? Yeah, I think it's the ultimate uniter. Um, you know, as we've lived in the past couple of years now, uh, on Zoom screens uh, because of COVID, that I always look at it like a quilt. You know, there's different colors, there's different ages, there's you know, there's Democrats, there's Republicans, there's uh, you know, people that maybe don't even speak the same language, um, you know, from around the world. But you know, music is a universal language, and as soon as you put a song on, you watch everybody's heads all nod at the same time. So even if we have differences in politics or what in different things, music is the thing that brings us all together. So it's great to be a representative uh, of that. And, and to me, you know, music is, um, it is bipartisan. It is, um, you know, it, it isn't a thing whether, you know, whatever your uh, political beliefs are, um, it's, it's the ultimate thing that communicates to people because it reaches right into your soul, you know? And so that, I think it's important and I think it's a great theme um, and Grammys is a great theme for um, really having dialogue to me. And, and trying to get things done. Well, absolutely. Well, whenever I have folks as prestigious and acclaimed as you guys on here, I love to always love to hear about about your journey um, because you're one of the most famous songwriting duos and you know record producer teams um, in the history of music. So I mean, I, you know, we bow down before before your excellence. But I always love to hear how it all started. So um, Terry, do you want to do you want to jump in here and uh, do, do you just remind us how you guys met? Was it wasn't were, weren't you were you in high school? It was. Actually, we were in junior high, and uh, Jimmy and I were both in a program called Upward Bound. And a lot of people are probably familiar with it, but we were in a part of Upward Bound called peer teaching. And in peer teaching, we were taught how to teach kids math, uh, age maybe a year or two below us. And um, that was really fun. So we ended up at the University of Minnesota. And um, we met each other there. And when I met Jimmy, well, I first saw Jimmy, he was on the piano in the lunchroom, like swooning a bunch of girls. And I was like, oh, man, that's a cool dude. <laughs> I had to get to know him. <laughs> so 
Uh, and he says that he first saw me, I had a red, black, and green bass. And I was sitting on my bed in my dorm room playing. And he came through and saw me and we kind of just kind of fell in love with each other at that point. So we continue from there at the end of that uh, summer year, we formed a little band and uh, we played like a little dance that we had. And uh, we've been musical friends ever since. What was it called? The, the early band, we call ourselves Wars of Armageddon. <laughs> Epic. <laughs> Doesn't get more epic than that. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> that's that's probably what we sounded like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. People thought the world was ending when they heard Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It was dissonant, I'm sure. So it was just to clarify. So I mean you're in you grew up in Minneapolis area, right? But but so this is you're saying this was like a summer program on the campus of University of Minnesota. And then you go back to high school and you and you're playing in this band in high school? Uh actually, no, that was just for the summer. Okay. Yeah because we went our separate ways after that. I, I formed a band with a, a crew of guys uh, that were Northsiders, where I lived on the North side. And uh, we were all like athletes and we called that band Flight Time. Gotcha. Which, so we, which soon evolved into the world famous The Time, you know, as in, you know, Morris Day and The Time. And you got to tour with with Prince, open up for him. Just memories of those days as, as The Time and Morris Day and Prince. And gosh, that that's just a whole that's, a um, you know, that's history making uh, era of music all on its own. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun and um, some great musicians, some great athletes as well. And Jimmy went on to form uh, several groups, but his main group was Mind and Matter, who we used to. Uh, go up against sometimes and battle the bands and they would latash us a couple times and we would latash them a couple times but we were always competitive and friendly and uh, whenever we would do anything musically in the studio I'd always ask, ask Jimmy to come over and to uh, lend us his skills to our records and uh, he's an awesome guy. <laughs> now oh, you, thank you, you, Terry Lewis. That's nice. Thank you. Wow. Is that, I'm sure. Is that the first time you've ever complimented each other, or does it happen every day? <laughs> well, the the truth hurts. <laughs> yeah, some some of those whoopings he gave us back in the early days, you know, were were very painful. So <laughs> no, it, was it, always, it was it was always with admiration, though. Like when when Terry's band would you know beat our band up, you know. I would always look at Terry and, and just admire him. You know, like I was I was mad we were getting beat up, but I was admiring him. And finally we decided, well, let's just team up together. And, you know, and that was, you know, the, the rest is, is his history. And we're actually, uh, when we met, it was actually 1973. So we're like a year away from our 50th anniversary of first meeting uh, me on the swooning the girls allegedly and uh, Terry with the red, black and green bass. So that's almost 50 years ago we've known each other. Wow. So the perfect, yeah. So the, the Grammys on the Hill thing is a perfect timing. It's almost like a 50th anniversary celebration. I don't need, they might not have even known that, but, but you guys, you're, you're clocking it in your head for sure. It's an exclusive for you, Jason. You can, you can break the news. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, what was it? The war wars of Armageddon or <laughs> right. <exactly. laughs> We're getting all kinds of gold in this interview. Hey, um, but I, I want to, so like you mentioned, you know, after your band sort of battle back and forth, you decided to, to join together, et cetera. And the, and the rest was history. But um, if you got a second, I'd love to go through some of the history. I mean, tell me about, um, I mean, gosh, we could talk, we could talk about so much, honestly, but um, I, I would love to know about, you know, the Control album and Rhythm Nation 1814. I mean, that those those dominated uh, the charts in the 80s. But um, any any cool insights or tidbits, memories of, of putting putting those albums together? 
Well, Janet just had a documentary out um, about, about a month and a half ago, two months ago, that was kind of enlightening about, uh, you know, the control era and the Rhythm Nation era. But um, I remember meeting Janet. Janet was a huge, uh, you mentioned Morris Day in the Time, and Janet was a huge, you know, Morris Day in the Time fan. So she came to our show. That was the first time we we had met her. Uh, and later on, when we started working, where before we started working with her, I remember there was a meeting with her dad, and her dad just said to us, he said, you guys are from Minneapolis, and we said, yeah, and he said, Prince is from Minneapolis, and we said, yeah, he said, don't have my daughter sounding like Prince. <laughs> that was like, that was like his advice. So it was like, okay, okay, sir, whatever. Um, but then Janet, when she came to Minneapolis to actually do Control, um, it was great because it was kind of, uh, you know, it was her story of, of a young woman striking out on her own. And what we did was lyrically um, we, that we told that story. Um, and when she first came to town, there was like five or six days that we didn't really go to the studio. We just kind of hung out and rode around and went to dinner and just hung out. And she said, when are we going to start working? And we said, oh, we, we started working. And then we showed her the lyrics or the opening lyrics to What Control was and she said oh she said this is what we've been talking about and we said yeah she said so whatever we talk about that's what we're going to write about it's like yeah and she said oh well i want to write about this and i want to write about that so what it did is it opened her up as an artist it made her feel like she was a part of the creative process and i think that was literally the key to really what unlocked the greatness in janet was that somebody asked her opinion on what she wanted to talk about and we've kind of used that same philosophy throughout really all the artists that we work with over the years is to find out what story they want to tell and then help them tell the story. I'm just like a kid in a candy shop listening to all these stories. Cause these, I mean, you guys wrote and or produced a lot of times, both some of these most iconic songs and, and beats. And um, like, for instance, rhythm nation, how do you come up with it? I don't even know how, how to, to hum it, but it's like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> which one of you comes up with that? There's like a sound. <laughs> It's funny. I, I'll tell you. So rhythm, rhythm Nation. We we had the idea for Rhythm Nation. We knew we knew kind of lyrically what we thought it should be. That it needed to be an anthem, and once again using music to bring the world together. Talking about you know, uh, you know, getting rid of color lines and and those types of things. So, um, but what happened was we were at a restaurant having dinner, and uh, Sly and the Family Stone came on. Thank you. The song Thank You, Sly and the Family Stone. And we kind of heard it in the background, but you know, you kind of hear music in the background all the time at, at restaurants and stuff. So, um, but then when the change of the song happened and the guitar line, which is kind of goes, jing, 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 when that came on. You did it better than me. <laughs> yeah, we, we, were, we were like, oh, wait, wait, wait. And we, and literally we ran out the restaurant. I think we paid and we ran out of the restaurant, went straight to the studio we took the Sly and the Family Stone sample of that guitar and we looped it, put a drum beat with it. And then I remember we played it for Janet and her, I just remember a smile coming over on her face. And whenever Janet smiles, when you play her something, that's always the greatest feeling because you know that it's, it's touching her. And she just said, is that Rhythm Nation? And we said, yeah, we think this could be the track for Rhythm Nation. And then we wrote the song uh, from there. So. Um, you know, inspiration strikes in, in, in various ways, but that was one that was very memorable for us and, and very appropriate because Sly and the Family Stone was one of our biggest and fa most favorite influences growing up, uh, you know, in the 70s uh, for us. So to be able to kind of take one of his songs 
and then use it to create something else that was impactful. Um, it's just one of the great things about music. And it, and it's just so cool that you you're able to weave in you know Sly and the Family Stone. I I love I love when and gosh they they were just featured in that awesome. I'm sure you guys saw the Questlove doc, right? That they were Absolutely. they were featured heavily in that. But um uh Summer of Soul was gone. But yeah, I, anyway, I love we're sidetracking. But I love I love how how one one you know era of music inspires another, which inspires another. I, I absolutely love it. Um, who else? I mean, you also did, um, at least from my childhood, Boys to Men. Where, tell me about writing on Bended Knee. That's an all-timer for me, guys. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Um, Bended Knee was one of those ones that, that came about because um, I guess the guys were in their final stages of completion of uh, their album. And they, they came to us and asked us, you know, what our opinion was. And as we always do, we try to give some good opinions. Um, and we said, well, you need a begging song. <laughs> and they laughed at us. What do you mean by that? And then Jam started to play some chords and we came up with the concept of On Bended Knee and uh, went on to complete that song, which is an amazing song. But the execution of the song by Boys to Men is what's so amazing. Those guys are so awesome. They are the best. They really are. And it doesn't matter which of the four seasons of loneliness. They're good in all four seasons because you guys oh, wrote, very good. You wrote that one, too. Very good. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. I love her perfume. Oh, yeah, we remember that. <laughs> uh, well, um, I mean, you've you've produced so many people, so we'd be here all day. But I guess let's do one more with someone else. How about um, how about Usher? You did. You remind me for Usher that one that top of charts, too. But but tell me about working with Usher. Well, I was I was going to say Terry has a great a great Usher story, but you remind me in particular, I will say, was um, L.A. Reid, um, LaFace Records. Um, he said to us, um, I got this song that Usher needs to sing, but he's not singing it right. And so he put the pressure on and he said, Usher, Usher says, the only person he's going to sing this song with uh, to produce this song is Terry Lewis. And so <laughs> it was like, OK, cool. And so I remember they went to L.A. to do it and uh, or to Los Angeles to do it. And I remember uh, they worked for about a week uh, trying to get Usher to not sing it like the way the demo was, but to sing it in the, you know, in the correct way, make it his own song, basically. And um, L.A. had said that the song is either there's two ways it's going to go with the song. Either it's the first single or it's off the album. But no pressure. I mean, you know, just get a great vocal. So Terry came up with a great vocal with Usher. And um, I remember when we sent it to L.A. Uh, Reed and he said, um, yep, first single. And I remember the record went straight to number one and, you know, got his album off to a wonderful start. But um Terry has a, an, an interesting story, if he wants to tell a little bit, about how Usher really reinvigorated him at a point where, you know, sometimes as a creative person, you kind of lose the um, enthusiasm or, or the inspiration for what you do. And um, I think Usher really inspired Terry at one point. Yeah, he absolutely did. I mean, I don't know. Um, I think everybody's been there, but there's no worse feeling than wanting something more for someone than they want it for themselves. And I was at a point um, musically and production wise where I felt like a lot of the artists that we were working with were caught up on everything except for music itself. And, you know, so I got a little 
disjointed. I, I didn't feel like I could, I could have a flow with music anymore. So along comes this young kid, Usher, and he wants to work. He's like a sponge. He, he's asking questions. He's trying things. He, he, he never has an issue with anything he's asked to do. And he's always just coming up and flowing with new ideas. And it just really reinvigorated my whole concept of what music and production meant. And uh, I really have to thank him for that because uh, I'm still flowing on that energy right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now, what, what era are we talking? Was this the Confessions album or when are you talking? Oh, this is pre 8701. Oh, wow. This was 8701. Yeah, before before Confessions. Before even. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and then, yeah, you've done we did. So, Jason, so I'll give I'll give you just a little a trivia fact. The first time we worked with Usher was actually I was thinking about this last night because I was watching, uh, you know, I always watch the basketball game. So we always watch inside the NBA with, you know, Shaq and everybody. Oh, it's the best. But, right. It's the best. But anyway, Shaq had a movie called Kazam. Oh, yes. He, we remember it. <laughs> where he played a genie. Yes. And the first time we worked with Usher, it was for that movie. We did a song called I Think I'm, I think it was called I Think I'm in Love is what the name of the song. Whoa. And we did it for the soundtrack of that movie. And when Usher came to town, I remember, I don't think Terry worked with him that day. I think I did. But I remember saying to Terry, man, this kid is amazing. Because he was still really young. And I said, this kid is amazing. This Usher kid is really amazing. So then when we got the chance to then work with him again, and him and Terry just obviously hit it off so well um, when we came back with, you know, you remind me in that. And that kind of started the journey, which then led into the Confessions album and a lot of things subsequent. And even on our album that we released, um, Usher has a song on it. So he's like a lifetime, longtime inspirational friend to us now. Wow. Wow. That's a cool story. Wow. Kazam, you're really bringing it back. Cause that was what, like 96 uh, and my way was what, 97, I think. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was right before all that really took off. You were on the ground floor of Usher. <laughs> well, there's so many. I mean, there's so many people. Um, it's it's we'd be here all day, but we won't we won't keep it. You've been generous, but you did mention really quick before we go. You mentioned that you released your own, uh, you know, your I guess your own album. Your your first is this is this your first one? Jam and Lewis Volume One. That's the very first our one? debut. Yes, our debut album. Yes. Wow. So <laughs> many years, and it just came out. I guess in the past year, last year. So after all this time, sort of behind the scenes as these genius architects for all these artists, you know, Mary J. Blige, Boys and everybody you're finally stepping out and you know and and putting your own uh, performances on the album so what's that been like it's been great um and you know it, it, the only difference really is that we're you know it's the difference between i i i think my analogy was we used to be like the doctors that would deliver the baby <laughs> um now we have to take the baby home with us and actually you know feed it and change the diapers and all of that so that's really the difference between being an artist i guess uh and and being just the writers and producers um but we assembled all our family basically to do it so when you talk about usher and you talk about you know boys to men and in moore's day and the time and you know all of those acts i mean they're all part of our record mary j blige and we just went to our friends that we really were inspired to write songs with and for, and then we made the songs that we wanted to hear, you know, kind of if we went and picked up one of their records, what would be the song we want, would want to hear? Uh, Mariah Carey, we had a big hit with her from the record, and our first single was actually with Babyface, um, 
which was very cool because back in the day we were kind of thought of as rivals. So it was kind of cool to get together with him and actually do a song uh, together with him. So it's that's the album's been a great journey. And we call the album Volume One. It's called Jam and Lewis Volume One. And we've already started on working on Volume Two because we had so much fun doing Volume One. That's funny. That is so funny. You said um, you were thought of as rivals with Babyface because we just spoke with Babyface. So that's funny. Yeah. I mean, you were burning up the charts pretty much every I feel like almost every hit was one of you guys for a while. Well, that's cool. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. I mean, I didn't even know we'd get to go a half hour with these legends. Um, I guess in closing, um, when it's all said and done, you're, you're starting to get these life achievement kind of things like Grammys on the Hill now. But when it's all said and done and then history's written on, on Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, how would you want to be remembered against all the other famous songwriting teams in history? You know, what, 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 would, what would sort of be that, you know, that first line of that obituary decades from now when, when it's all written? What, what do you hope it reads? Wow, we're writing obituaries. <laughs> Okay, so. <laughs> well, what do you what do you want your legacy well, to be what do you know. what do you want to be remembered as well the, the the one the one thing i would say is as long as it starts off with uh grammy winning whatever you know <laughs> producers writers whatever that is i i do like the idea of that because i think the grammys for us has meant more than just winning awards it's actually been uh, something we've got involved with in advocacy and all the things that the Grammys does. And I, when I was chairman of the Grammys back a long time ago, I always used to say the other 364 days a year because people know us for one night, for Grammy night, which is wonderful. But year round, there's a lot of great things that the Grammys are doing. And so um, I always like the idea that we're going to be Grammy award winning, you know, songwriters, producers, whatever we are. So that would be great to be, uh, to start off an obituary, but also, um, I think we want to, our, our goal is we just want to leave music in a better place than we found it. I mean, music has taken us around the world. It's raised our families. It's, you know, it's everything. It's, and so for us, if we can somehow leave music in a better place, whether that's mentoring young people, whether that's uh, changing technology, whether it's um, speaking to uh, Congress on, on behalf of, of songwriters, all of those things, um, I think that would be how we'd we'd like to be remembered and not the statistic of it. Like I'll, I'll tell you a real quick story. When we worked with, um, when we were doing Scream with Michael and Janet together, um, Michael asked us, he said, how do you guys want to be remembered? And I said, we want to be remembered as nice guys. And he said, no, 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 no. Like the most number one records or the, you know, the biggest selling whatever. And I said, no, Michael, those are statistics. I said, I want to be remembered as a nice guy. And I remember about a year later, we had called Michael for a, a, not for a favor necessarily, but we wanted to take one of his songs and sample them. And everybody said, nobody's going to clear that. And so I called Michael and he said, he said to me, he said, so he said, I know you want to talk to me about something, but can I tell you something? Yeah. He said, every time people ask me what it was like working with you guys, I just go, they're the nicest guys. And I said, Michael, <laughs> you get it. That's what it's about. And then he, of course, he gave us permission to, to use the sample and, and the whole thing. But I said to Michael, I said, here's the cool thing about it, Michael. I said, when people ask me what it was like to work with you, I say, he's the nicest guy. And he said, oh, that's great. I'm glad you think that. So to me, those are the things. People don't remember necessarily the results, but they do remember how you make them feel. So we can give people a good impression and they feel good. And when they think about us, they go, oh, yeah, those guys were cool. They were nice guys or whatever. That to me is would be a nice way to be remembered. Wow. 
Perfectly said. And you know what? You know what, fellas, it comes across in this interview, too. You know what? When everyone asked me, you know, how was that interview with them? I was like, they were the nicest guys. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, we can't. We can't wait to, to see you and, and see you get honored at the Grammys on the Hill it, every year. It's it's um it's it's a, just a great advocacy event, not to mention getting to hear some cool tunes from some of the best musicians uh, around of our time. So um, thank you so, so much. Um, I can't believe they didn't give the award to the what is it? Wars of Armageddon. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe the next one. Right. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much again, everyone. It is the Grammys on the Hill. It's tonight at the Hamilton in D.C., a great annual event every year put on by the Grammys and the Recording Academy. Uh, this year's honorees, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, the legends themselves. Hey, thank you so, so, so much for taking the time and being such nice guys. <laughs> thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.